Well, good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Well, as you know, my friend Brennan is here, so I have to embarrass him too. I have to tell a story about him since he's here. That's kind of the rule if you come with me to church. So, Brennan, I don't know if you will think of it this way. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm the one who told you about one of our favorite restaurants. Now, one of our favorite places to eat in Rockwall is this place called La Madeleine. La Madeleine is so good. It's this, I'm seeing some agreement here. La Madeleine is this... What's that? Did you bring any of the tomato soup with you? No, that's one of my favorites. I love tomatoes, tomato soup there. You do? Well, I always get the tomato soup. I always get the sandwich. I forget what it's called, but it has like the cheese baked on the outside of the bread. I know I'm making y'all hungry, but we're going to eat after, so sorry. But this is where we always go. And I remember, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that told Brennan, hey, we got to try this place. We got to go to La Madeline. I think Brennan said, okay, I could, I could kind of tell he was kind of wanting to be nice, but kind of apprehensive, like La Madeline, what does that even mean? But sure enough, we went to La Madeline. And I remember Brennan, you kept saying, this is really good. This is really good. And I thought, oh, he's just being nice. But later on, he would say, hey, let's go to La Madeline. Even after Bible study, he would say, we should go to La Madeline. So I was like, okay, Brennan likes this. I made a good recommendation to Brennan, and it's having some, um, it's stuck. Yeah, definitely. So you might say, okay, that's a cool story, but what does that have to do at all with our uh, Bible passage for today? Well, when I told Brennan about La Madeline, was I worried about how good I am at telling people about restaurants? No. But was I saying, hey, this is a good restaurant. You should go and try this restaurant because you would enjoy it. It would make your life better. That was more of what I was doing. And I was eager to share that with Brennan because this was something good and positive in my life. I love this place. Hey, you should try it too. You should come with me. And so I think sometimes with the gospel, with the good news about Jesus, we treat it more about how good am I at sharing it and less about how good is this in my life? How much will this help you? I think sometimes we're better at giving restaurant recommendations than we are recommending Jesus because we don't recommend Jesus the same way that we'd recommend other things because we think recommending Jesus is more about how impressive and cool and clear and concise I am, but recommending movies and restaurants and other things are more about um, how great those, those things are. But in reality, the gospel is not about how great we are, it's about how great God is. So let's look at our passage for today. It's Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. And so we're starting a series right now on the book of Romans. And when you read through Romans, it's really about how the good news is the good news for all people. Because Romans, it seems like it's written to mainly a Gentile church, but there are some Jewish people in there. And so uh, for a little while, it started out as a Jewish church, possibly. But then the emperor Claudius, it seems like he expelled all of the Jewish people outside. But then when he died, another emperor came in and he said, okay, the Jewish people can come back. So the Gentile people, when the Jew, Jewish people were gone, 
had their church in Rome. So can you see how kind of when the Jewish people came back, there was kind of this maybe tension between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians kind of fighting for what Christianity should look like? So Paul in Romans is basically saying, hey, the good news of Jesus is for all people, whether they're Jew or Gentile. They might say, oh, well, um, Christianity is rooted in Judaism. And so that excludes all Gentile people. And Paul will say, no, that's not true. It's for everybody. But then Gentile people may say, well, God has left Jewish people behind and now he's bringing us in. And Paul will say, well, that's not true either. He's not leaving anybody behind. It's for everybody. The good news is for everybody. And so in our passage for today, he's going to show why he's eager to share the good news of Jesus with the church and with all the other people in Rome. So let's read our passage. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 8 through 17. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the good news, the gospel, to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the first thing we see in this passage, specifically in verses 8 through 14, is that sharing God's good news, sharing the gospel, starts with prayer. Now, sometimes we think we can tag on prayer, sharing the gospel, and that's okay. Sometimes we do, but no, for Paul, he said, I'm going to start with prayer, and I've been praying. He says, I've been praying that somehow, some way, I could come and see you, that I could come to the Roman church, and that I could be encouraging to you, that I could impart some spiritual gift to you, but also so that you can encourage me, so that I can be encouraged by your faith. So, Sometimes we think we just share the good news, the gospel, with people who don't believe. It's all about just sharing with people who don't believe. But no, Paul said that sharing the gospel is sharing with people who already do believe too. Think about it this way. There's, there's about 100 people in the Roman church at that time. And that's good. So Paul just needs to go there and speak to those 100 people, right? Well, no, there's about a million people in Rome at the time. So Paul's not coming there just for the church, 
He's coming there to share his hope, his joy, his new life in Christ with the other people that, it, that are in Rome. But, of course, he wants to encourage... It's not like we tell the gospel and we hear it one time and then we're good for life. No, it encourages us to hear it week after week, over and over and over. And he says, uh, I'm eager to preach the good news to you. We might say, that's great, but I'm not a preacher. I don't preach. Well, what do we think preaching is? It's not just standing up here at a podium, speaking into a microphone. Sometimes, and I've wondered for a long time myself, what is the difference between preaching and teaching? Aren't they kind of the same? Well, teaching can be explaining something. We, we teach each other a lot of times about a lot of different things. Preaching essentially is pointing to Jesus. So in that sense, we're all preachers. We all preach. We don't have to come to a podium to preach. We can all point to Jesus in our own way with our words and our actions. And of course, we're going to need both. But Paul roots all of that in prayer so that, A, so I can actually come and be with you, so that I can be encouraged by you physically. He's praying for opportunities. I'm pr- he's praying for opportunities to share the good news with the people of Rome, with the Roman churches. And we say, Paul, you know, of course God wants you to preach the good news. Why are you praying for that? Well, praying basically means that we're being sensitive to where God's leading. We don't say, hey God, I lead, you follow. I'll share the good news and you just come with me. No, we say, God, you've given me good news. Lead me where you want me to go and the way that you want me to go. I think of when I was in football in high school, sometimes um, before the football game um, was on Friday, Thursday we would have a chapel speaker. And I remember one time, uh, two people from a nearby church came and they said, hey, it's good to pray for opportunities to talk to people about God, to share the good news of Jesus with people, to serve people, to help people. And I thought, okay, that's a good practice. I'm going to start doing that. And so I did start praying for opportunities, opportunities to be encouraged by other believers, to encourage other believers, to share the good news about Jesus with people. And you know what? It actually, I, already, I actually started seeing more opportunities to do those things. And you know what happened? I became kind of scared to pray that prayer because it works. I started thinking, oh, I better be careful if I pray for opportunities because now I've seen that God's actually going to give them to me. I became a little bit apprehensive, but I knew, hey, I do need to be praying for opportunities if I want to be a part of what God is doing in the world, if I want to join in on the good good things that he's doing and share the good news that he's given me I should be praying for opportunities. And that's what Paul is doing in our passage. He says, I'm praying for opportunities to be with you. I'm praying for opportunities um, to get to know people in Rome. I'm not going to talk to all one million people there, but I'm praying that God will give me opportunities to encourage you, be encouraged by you, and to share the good news with the people there. So sharing God's good news, sharing the gospel It's not just about us being good enough. It's about us being uh, aware of what God is doing and prayerfully asking God to lead us in the right way and asking God to give us opportunities to do what he wants us to do. So sharing God's good news is good, but it starts with prayer. It begins with prayer. It doesn't begin out on the streets of Rome. It begins wherever Paul was praying, um, most likely alone, or maybe it was with a church, but it wasn't just like, you know, you see 
players come in to warm up before games. They don't just run out onto the field. In the same way, we don't just run out into the world. We begin with prayer. And the second thing that we see in verses 15 through 17 is that sharing God's good news relies not on the strength of the messenger. It relies on the strength of the message. So Paul says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to save and it also reveals the righteousness of God. So why would we be ashamed of the gospel? We can probably think of different reasons. Oh, I'm ashamed, you know, because people may laugh. If I tell it, people may not want to hang out with me anymore. Uh, But sometimes we're ashamed of the gospel because we're ashamed that we are not good enough at sharing it with people. We say, well, uh, I'm not a very impressive person. I can't speak very eloquently. Uh, If I share it, I'm just going to mess things up. Well, most of the books in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. And as impressed as we may be by Paul today, people back then in Paul's day were not very impressed by him. Historians tell us that Paul uh, was not a very physically impressive person. And Paul even says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, he said that people say, my letters are weighty and strong, but my bodily presence is weak and my speech is of no account. He says, my my bodily presence is weak. People say, when they see me, he looks pretty weak. When I speak, people say, that's not that impressive. So why does Paul say, I am eager, in verse 15, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul knows that he doesn't look that impressive. He doesn't sound that impressive. So why is he eager to go to Rome and share the good news? Well, Imagine that, and bear with me for a second, imagine that you somehow hypothetically knew the cure for cancer. Now imagine that you have cancer and somebody out there knows the cure for cancer and you say, why didn't you share with me? Why didn't you tell me the cure for cancer? What would you say if they said, I'm just not a very good speaker? I'm just not very impressive. You would say, that's, that's not what matters. What matters is me getting better, not you being impressive. And so Paul wasn't saying, I need to be impressive enough to share the good news. Paul was saying, no, I have good news, and all of my confidence is in the good news. It's not in Paul. It's in Jesus. It's in God. So in the same way, if you knew the cure for cancer, you wouldn't say, well, this would help a lot of people, but... Um, I'm just not good enough at sharing it. No, you wouldn't say that. You would say, this isn't about me. This is about other people. So Paul, in the same way, knew that it wasn't about him. It was about other people. And that was one reason why he was so eager to share the good news. Um, You know, like I said earlier, I didn't share La Madeline with Brennan because I'm good at sharing restaurant recommendations. I shared it because... The restaurant's impressive. I'm not impressive. The restaurant's impressive. And in the same way, we're not sharing because we're impressive. We're sharing because God is impressive. The gospel is impressive. The gospel is life-changing, much more than any restaurant or movie that we could ever go to. The gospel is not just a power. It's the power of God to save. 
and to reveal God's righteousness. And there's also a temptation to be ashamed of the gospel because it tells us and it tells others that we need help. You know, you don't need a doctor unless you need help. Why would you tell someone you need Jesus to heal you and to help you unless you're also saying that you need help? I mean, the gospel is you are more wicked and sinful than you realized and more loved and cared for and forgiven than you thought possible. But we need the first part of that to actually have the gospel. And so sometimes it can be hard to tell ourselves, like, hey, I actually need help. I actually need forgiveness. And I don't want to tell people that they need help. I don't want to tell people that they need a great physician, a great doctor. Uh, Timothy Keller, he said, the gospel will always cause offense because it reveals us as having a need that we cannot meet. So we will always be tempted to be ashamed of it. We need to remember that it is the power of God. We need to remember that it reveals God's righteousness and is the way we receive righteousness. This is what fundamentally reverses our attitude to sharing the gospel. The opposite of being ashamed is not willingness. It is eagerness. We become eager when we know the truth, the wonder and the power of the good news so deeply that we herald it, we tell it, not because we know we ought to or because we have to, but because we want to and love to for Jesus' name's sake. I mean, imagine if somebody told you something, they recommended something to you because they had to. Oh, well, someone told me to tell you that you should check this out. No, you would say, okay, I'd, I'd rather not. didn't sound like it even helped you at all. But if they say, no, this has changed my life, this has made my life better, then maybe we'll give it a shot, maybe we'll give it a chance. And so for Paul, Paul is not eager to just go give the gospel message and then leave. No, Paul wants to develop relationships. Paul wants to develop friendships. Paul wants to show people that, hey, not just with my words has my life been changed, but you can see in my life that my life has been changed by this good news. And sometimes we treat sharing the good news like something to check off a checklist. But really sharing the good news is just as natural as just telling somebody, this is the best part of my life. This is the reason that I have hope. You know, you don't have to meet someone and say, oh, here's the gospel. No, you can develop a relationship with that person. And whether you initiate it or whether somebody else initiates it and says, hey, why are you always so full of joy? Why do you have hope when everybody else maybe not maybe doesn't have hope. You can say, well, I have hope uh, because of Jesus. I have peace because of Jesus. I have joy because of what he's done for me. You know, I was lost. Uh, but Jesus, the great shepherd, came after me and he found me. And he did that by dying on the cross for me. And so a lot of times we treat sharing the good news as just something that we have to do. And we're never going to be eager to share good news if it's just something to check off a checklist. But if we say this message is the best part of my life, then we will be eager to share it with other people too. But we might say, hey, if I share the good news, people might reject me. People, I may lose friendships. And yeah, that's possible. But ultimately, Jesus, when he talked to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, he said, the one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So basically, they reject you, 
but they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And they're not really rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the one who sent Jesus. So did Jesus say, um, I'm very good at sharing the good news. I'm very good at being the good news, but you guys aren't so good at it, so don't bother about it. No, Jesus knew that I'm going to be rejected, you're going to be rejected, but really what they're rejecting is the one who sent me. And because of that, Jesus could face rejection because it wasn't about how impressive he seemed, how many followers he had. It was about how many people knew the Father through him. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And when people actually realized who he was and knew the Father through him, then that was when the power of the gospel came into effect. Because for Jesus, it was about the one who sent him. And for us, it's about the one who sends us too. So, back to that LaMadeline example. If Brennan had rejected LaMadeline, if he said, I don't want to go there, is he saying, is he rejecting me or is he rejecting that place? Well, no, he's not rejecting me, so I don't have to take it personally. I can say, oh, okay, well, I, I told you something great, and you don't have to make that a part of your life. But Jesus is saying, don't base your self-worth and your value on if people say yes to the gospel, because the gospel is never about you. The gospel is about me, and I can face rejection because the gospel is about the one who sent me. Yeah, you may have to suffer for it. May, you may suffer harm for it. People may tell you to stop saying it. Keep saying it anyways. But don't base your self-value on how many people become Christians. No, base your self-value on the fact that your name is written in the book of life, that you're saved, that I love you. But don't just hog it. Don't just keep it to yourself. Share it. Let others know. Because, hey, somebody told you. I mean, what if somebody never told you? I mean, whoever showed you the good news, whoever told you the good news, somebody obviously told them before. So it's only really fair that you share it with other people too. Not to manipulate people, but just to tell them, this this gives me hope. This gives me joy. This is, for me, um, I, I found life in Jesus. I found joy and peace in Jesus that I had never had before. So of course, I'm eager to share it. And of course, you know, if I base it on am I good enough to share it, then I'm not going to be eager to share it. But Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to a cross. He didn't just know what he was doing. He knew the power behind what he was doing. And when you know the power behind what you're doing when you share the good news, when you say, I know that the gospel isn't just a way to be saved, but it is the power of God to save. And if you say, the gospel doesn't just make God look good, it reveals the righteousness of God. Then, like Paul, you can say, I'm eager to share the good news. Even if I'm going to Rome, where, where many people don't know about this, I can be eager to share it. Because I'm not eager to impress. I'm not eager to look great. I'm eager to share the impressive message. I'm eager to share the good news, which Paul says is the power to save both Jew and Gentile, to reveal God's righteousness. So knowing the strength of the gospel makes us eager to join in on what God is doing through it. Once we realize how powerful the gospel is, how powerful it is in our lives, how much it's done for us, can we make sharing the good news, evangelism, less about us and more about God? 
Because when it's about us, it's going to be intimidating. We're going to have to be good enough. And it's going to crush us under the weight of that. But when we say, this is not about how good I am. Yes, of course, I want to strategize. Yes, of course, Paul thought about what he was doing. Paul didn't just turn his brain off and share the good news. But Paul didn't depend on his own strength. Paul said, I'm unimpressive in speech. I'm unimpressive in the way that I look. But I'm eager to go to Rome anyways. Because God is impressive. Jesus is impressive. The Holy Spirit is impressive. And more than just impressive, they made me and they made you and they created us. And life and joy and peace and salvation are only found in them. And so I'm not going to share me. I'm going to share the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And of course it's going to be scary sometimes. Of course it's going to be hard. But we can be eager and excited to do this when we realize the power behind what we are doing. The power is not in us. The power is in the gospel. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would have a better sense of the power of the good news, God, that it's sufficient. We don't have to dress up the good news. We don't have to make it look nice, God. We just share it. We just tell it, and it's good enough. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open people's hearts to receive it, to know it, God, because we know that it's the best part of our lives. We know that without the gospel, we wouldn't have the hope that we have today. We wouldn't even know each other in this church. We wouldn't have the friendships that we have here. Um, God, knowing you is the best part of our lives, and we only know you because we know Jesus, God. So I pray, God, that we wouldn't just keep that to ourselves. God, I also pray that we wouldn't treat telling the good news as something to be impersonal about, but something to be personal about, something to show love and to give love to others and for them to see why we give love, why we have love, what fills us up with love, God. And what fills us up with love is the power of your love, the power of the good news, of what you're doing, what you have done through Jesus, God. So I pray, God, that we would share that just as you have shared that with us and that we wouldn't do it out of shame, but we would do it out of eagerness and joy to be your messengers. We love you and we want to point to Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.